Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. I want to thank you for tuning in. I am so glad to share the next few minutes with you today. I want you to find victory and life in Jesus Christ. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say we're learning to live as God's people, reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. I want to encourage you to look us up on the web at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. You can also find us on Facebook, and we post these podcasts there. So you can find them, you can subscribe to them, and you can share them with others. Let's turn our attention to this week's message, and it is Easter, so happy Easter to you. He is risen. He is the Savior. He has initiated eternal life for you and me forever. We know that to be true now because of the empty tomb. I want to begin our time with a story about Helen Keller. She lived but all but the first 19 months of her life deaf and blind, and she wrote an article for the 1933 edition of the Atlantic Monthly, and it was entitled, Three Days to See, and there Keller named all the people and places and objects she would see if somehow she were granted a three-day reprieve from blindness. After describing in aching detail how it felt to touch the smooth skin of a silver birch tree or the rough bark of a pine, she imagined what it would be like to see the face of her beloved teacher, Anne Sullivan, and so to know her more deeply than than touch can possibly allow. And Keller wrote these words, It is a great pity that in a world of light, the gift of sight is used only as a mere convenience rather than a means of adding fullness to life. Keller once remarked, Active faith knows no fear, and it is a safeguard to me against cynicism and despair. And Easter invites us to see. It asks us the question, and asks you the question, will you see the empty tomb? Will you see that death is defeated? Will you see the risen Christ? Well, you see that the world is not as it appears. Our sight, our ears, our senses lead to experiences that say this world has limits. That's most often the message we get. And that there are problems in our world. Conventional wisdom says death is the end and there's nothing else. But Easter invites you to see, to know Jesus. To see Jesus risen, Jesus victorious, Jesus gone ahead of you, and Jesus with you, Jesus the King. Easter invites you to see the risen Jesus and to join his kingdom. Will you do that? As I read the scripture text today, I want you to pay particular attention to all the seeing that happens. You will hear in particular two words in the text I'm going to read today. That One is look, and the other is see. And on Easter morning, people were looking for the crucified Jesus, but they get the opportunity to see the risen Jesus, and now they must decide what to believe and what to do. And in the same way, you also must decide how you will respond to the risen Jesus. So, let's read the text. We're going to go to Matthew's account of the resurrection today. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And it reads like this. After the the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. 
there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. Matthew's account of Easter morning, the resurrection, is full of looking and seeing and encountering Jesus. He's telling us that you need to see both the crucified Jesus and the risen Jesus. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were the named followers of Jesus that went to the tomb on Matthew's Easter account. The other accounts have different lists of the ladies' names, a few others that came along with them. But Matthew only talks about Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They were watching, and they saw. And it's fitting, because they had been recorded throughout Matthew's account of watching Jesus. If you back up just a little bit, it was Mary Magdalene and Mary who were there to watch Jesus die during the crucifixion. If, if you go to Matthew chapter 27 and you read verses 55 and 56, it will say, Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph, the mother of Zebedee's sons. And both of them, watching uh, Jesus die upon the cross, would have experienced the earthquake that happened when Jesus died on the cross. It's there in, in Matthew twenty seven fifty one. At the, that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Uh, top to bottom, the earth shook, the rock split, and those same ladies, Mary and Mary, would experience the earthquake, announcing the resurrection of Jesus. It seems as though Jesus's death was announced with an earthquake and his resurrection. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary, were witnesses to the burial of Jesus. If you keep following Matthew's account, we read in Matthew twenty-seven sixty-one that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite of the tomb. They watched him be buried. And now, these two Marys go on the first day of the week to look at the tomb. And I find that to be an interesting description. The other gospel accounts describe Mary and Mary as going to anoint the body of Jesus, but Matthew doesn't mention that. He simply says that they're going to look at the tomb. He's hinting that something's about to happen, that maybe even they have an expectation or a curiosity of what might happen. They're going to look at the tomb. Then there's an earthquake, and that's linked to the arrival of an angel. 
and his appearance terrifies the Roman soldiers that are guarding the tomb. Donald Hagner, when he writes about this, points out an irony. The ones assigned to guard the dead, they themselves appear to be dead. (laughs) Now, the appearance of the angel strikes the guards with fear, but not Mary and Mary. Sure, the angel says, don't be afraid. And what we have here is different people encountering the same message. The guards encounter the angel, and it's though they become dead. The women here, and eventually they're filled with joy. Same messenger, different reactions. The angel sits atop the rolled away stone, and when I have that picture in my mind, I I see a casualness to the scene. The stone is now no obstacle. Its presence is more like a joke. Death no longer has power here. This stone isn't a problem. Have you ever thought about why the stone was rolled away? That was something I was thinking about this week. And it's interesting. When you read Matthew's account, there's an interesting clue that's given. It's not so that Jesus can get out of the tomb. Because in Matthew, he's already gone. It's rolled away to let Mary and Mary into the tomb. See, if death cannot hold Jesus, a stone door certainly can't. But it's to let others come in and see that the tomb is empty. You see, Mary and Mary came to look at, as Matthew tells us, the tomb. They expected to see the crucified Jesus, and now they're invited to see something completely different. The angel commands Mary and Mary to go and tell the disciples, Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the message. The message is also that Jesus has already gone out ahead of you to Galilee. Go there and you'll see him. And it's at that moment that Mary and Mary have a decision. And Matthew makes their decision a little bit more cut and dry than some of the other Gospels. The other Gospels mention a bit more about confusion and fear and maybe even getting some help from Peter and the beloved disciple to confirm what they're seeing at the grave. And that's the struggle of Easter morning, trying to figure out what you're seeing. Mary and Mary, though... And in turn, every one of us are invited to put aside what we expect to see and have faith in what we should believe to be impossible. Mary and Mary expect to see the crucified Jesus, and instead they are invited to believe in the resurrection. And I want to point out that the angel invites them to believe in resurrection before they even see Jesus himself this point, all they have is an empty tomb because, well, they came to see the tomb. Easter invites us to see, but it asks us to have faith. And this is one of those God moments that we need to pay attention to. If mere people came up with the idea of the resurrection and, and wrote the story, it never would have been written this way. Matthew writes about the death of Jesus, and we 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 read it and we hear have the account of the crucifixion and we we in the text see Jesus dying on the cross 
He writes about the burial, and so we encounter Jesus being laid into the tomb. And then the next scene is an empty tomb, and Jesus is alive. And this is wonderful. It is such a, it's the, it's the miracle of the ages. It's why we celebrate Easter. It's why we have eternal life. But if we had our way, we'd want the ladies to go into the tomb getting ready to anoint the body of Jesus. And then as they get ready, that Jesus comes back to life at that very moment before their eyes, and that it would be written down what it was like, what, it, what, what happened. We would see the, the, the crucified, uh, we, we would see Jesus risen and, and get all the details, but that's not what God wants to tell us. He, we see the crucified Jesus, we see the risen Jesus, The resurrection itself invites us to faith, to trust that God's ways are good and better than our own, even though we might not understand how they happen. And so, Mary and Mary have to trust, and we're invited to trust. And as they hurry from the tomb, they encounter the risen Jesus. They're already having faith, but now they see him, and they embrace him, and they worship him. And then he commands them to go and tell the disciples so that they can see him. And that's something I want you to to understand very clearly. In order to see Jesus, to know him, someone must go and tell the good news that Jesus is alive. And there's a pattern here. The angel comes and tells Mary and Mary about Jesus. There's, There's good news. And then the angel gives them a mission. Go and tell the disciples. And then eventually the disciples will receive the mission from Jesus to go and tell the whole world. There's a pattern here. In order to see Jesus, to know him, someone must go and tell that good news that Jesus is alive. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 15 say this, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have to go and tell for others to be able to see and believe. If you are a Christian, you are called to tell others about the risen Jesus. There's a lot of seeing in the Easter account, and seeing leads to invitation. Will you believe in the risen Jesus? Or perhaps you only believe in the crucified Christ. If you choose only to believe in the crucified Jesus, the story stops. And it remains a story about a good man, a good teacher, a story about how it's important to love and do good for others, but that's it. If you stop at the crucified Christ, death wins, and there's nothing more. But on that first Easter, Mary and Mary made their way back from the tomb to tell the disciples um, what had happened. And you know, at the same time that Mary and Mary were going back from the tomb, the guards made their way back to the cheap chief priests to tell them what had happened. They chose to stop at the story of the crucified Christ and to deny the resurrection, and they spread a story that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. They missed what God was doing. They only wanted to see one half, not the other. Henry Nouwen writes these words, If we make the house of fear our permanent dwelling, We find our choices narrowed and our capacity to love constricted until we can hardly breathe. 
And that's what happened with those chief priests and those guards. And that can happen to you as well. The guards encountered the same angel, but they stayed in fear. Mary and Mary encountered the angel and they experienced fear, yes, but also faith. They chose to see the risen Jesus. It started with faith and then an actual encounter and then it grew from there. Perhaps this morning you want to have faith in Jesus, but such faith feels impossible. I want to invite you to trust him. And even a little goes a long way. Dr. Gardner Taylor, a pastor in New York City, tells of a story when he was preaching in Louisiana during the Great Depression. Electricity was just coming into that part of the country, and he was out in a rural church that had just one light bulb hanging from the ceiling to light up the whole sanctuary. He was preaching away, and in the middle of his sermon, the electricity went out, and the light bulb went out, and the building went pitch black, and Dr. Taylor didn't know what to say. Being a young preacher, he stumbled around until one of the elderly deacons sitting in the back of the church cried out, Preach on, preacher! Preach on! We can still see Jesus in the dark. Sometimes that's the only time we can see him in the dark. And the good news of the gospel is that whether or not we can see him in the dark, he can see us in the dark. Maybe you feel like this morning, or as you're listening to this, your faith is small, and the world around you feels very dark. I challenge you, put your trust in the crucified Christ and in the risen Jesus. And secondly, beyond putting our trust into Jesus, we need to respond to the resurrection with action. I want to take a moment and return to Mary and Mary's story. We can learn about a lot about what it means to follow Jesus, to have faith in Jesus from their response to the resurrection news. Because Mary and Mary respond to the news of the resurrection with action. They obey, they embrace, and they worship. And then they obey some more. That first word, obey. After the angel tells the Marys about the risen Jesus, he gives them a task. Go and tell the other disciples. Tell them that Jesus is risen and that they are to go to Galilee where they will see him too. I am certain that both of those Marys are still sorting out. They were still trying to figure out what on earth is happening. Is this really true? But they let a small seed of their faith take root. And so they obey. They take a step out of the tomb towards the disciples. Jesus is Savior, but sometimes it's hard when we face moments of uncertainty. And it's in those moments that one of the best responses you can have, especially if you're just not sure who to trust or what to do, but when you're in a moment of uncertainty, one of the best responses you can have is simply to step forward in obedience. It may be just a small step but it makes a big difference. God can work powerfully through the act of obedience, and he does so for Mary and Mary. It's after they decide to obey the very message of an angel that Jesus appears to them. They see him alive. They see him face to face. So, they act in obedience, even if it's just a little step, and then it can grow from there. 
They also embrace. That's another action that the Marys have in this story to the risen Christ. Jesus, or Matthew tells us that when they see Jesus, they touched him. That is, they, they clasped his feet. They embraced him. They now fully know that Jesus is alive. Death no longer separates them. They can draw near to him. They can know him. And that nearness is something that will stay and does stay. Do you know that you can have Jesus in your life? That is the good news. Sin has been atoned for on the cross. Death has been defeated by the life, the resurrection of Christ. Sin no longer separates you from God. He is now near. And Matthew goes to great lengths to express the nearness of Jesus, of God, to the Christian. I know it's Easter, but let's think for a moment of the Christmas story. We know that there's this name for Jesus that's given at Christmas time, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew in his gospel mentions that right at the very beginning. It's there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you know what the last verse of Matthew is? It's as the risen Jesus commissions his disciples to go and tell others so that they can see. Do you know what it says? It's there in Matthew chapter 28, same chapter we started in today. It's verse 20. It says, And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. From the beginning to the end of Matthew's message about Jesus, he says, Jesus wants to be in your life. He wants to be with you, near you. The question is, will you embrace him and draw near to him? That's the action. That's the invitation. The third action the Marys take in response to the risen Jesus is they worship him. They embrace him. I already mentioned that. But now that they've embraced him, they know him, that he is risen. He's full of glory. He's worthy of worship. And so they do worship him. And that means they give him reverence. And this worship is a joyful worship. It Something about worship that we need to recognize is that worship requires you to name your priorities. There's a quote by Paul Menier. It says this, when you take, when you take anything more seriously than we take God, he effectively ceases to be God for us. And then when we do that, we take up residence in a world from which we have banished God. That's not where we want to be. That's mixed up priorities. Worshiping Jesus means we put him in the place of highest priority and honor in our lives. We order our lives around him. We seek to honor him in all that we do. So Mary and Mary, they obey, take a small step of faith. They embrace they worship three different actions. But there's something interesting that happens here. Because after Mary and Mary worship Jesus, he commands them to go again and tell the disciples so that they too can see Jesus. And so Mary and Mary obey again. I am certain that this moment of obedience is much stronger than the earlier one when they heard from the angel. But because they acted in faith and they uh, acted, well, with action, they're now all the more able to obey with confidence. One last thing I'd like to say about the Easter story here. 
is that the risen Jesus is our first real glimpse of the kingdom. The resurrection is the world being transformed from the grave outward. The risen Jesus is the beginning of Jesus making all things new. I've got a series of quotes here that capture well what begins at Easter. Kimberly Clayton writes, Resurrection announces that God is more than a match for any of the emptiness we may face. Resurrection announces that the grip of death is not the last hold on us, and so death no longer determines our living. Watchman Nee writes these words, Our old history ends with the cross, and our new history begins with the resurrection. N.T. Wright writes these words, The Easter stories come at the end of the four Gospels, but they are not about an end. They are about a beginning. The beginning of God's new world. The beginning of the kingdom. God is now in charge on earth as in heaven. And God's being in charge is focused on Jesus himself being king and Lord. The title on the cross is true after all. The resurrection proves it. Mary and Mary expect to find the crucified Christ in the tomb. They were invited to put their faith in the risen Jesus. Dr. Joseph Hartuanan, a former professor at McCormick Theological Seminary, came to America from Armenia. One day, a well-meaning friend said to him, Your name's difficult to pronounce and difficult to spell. It will hurt It will possibly hurt your professional career. Why don't you change your name to Harwood or Harwell or something like that? But Dr. Hartuanan asked, what do those names mean? And his friend said, well, nothing. They're just easier to remember. And Dr. Hartuanan said, in Armenia, when my grandfather was baptized, they named him Hartuanan, which means resurrection. I am Joseph Hartuanan, and I will be a son of resurrection all my days. That is good, and now we have the opportunity to become sons and daughters of the resurrection all of our days. Will you put your trust in the risen Christ? Let's pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we, who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection, that we may, by your life-giving Spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Go with Jesus.